Hey y'all, I'm Jessica. Hey, I'm Camille, and we are Highly Hormonal. We are back with another morning episode. We are recording this morning on our, uh, kind of our schedule. We've gotten on a Monday recording schedule, so we can release on Wednesday episodes to y'all, and uh, it's starting to work out for us. <laughs> we do like a night episode every now and again. We tend to get a little loose-tongued, and so that those are usually a little bit funnier. But today, we are doing a morning episode. All right, so Jessica... Tell me, what are you drinking this morning? What you're wearing, eating, watching, reading, and listening to? All right. So drinking, I'm doubling down. Mm. I'm drinking coffee. Okay. Um, My kids have gone back to school this week. Okay. And so they went, well, this is their first full week. They went back midweek last week. Um, yeah. And we did not record last week because Camille was out of town. My kids were going back to school. It was the week of meetings. Like, I'm just in survival mode right now. I'm drinking a lot of coffee. So I've got coffee in this cute little mug. Russell got this for my birthday or Christmas one year. Um, this is usually my hot apple cider mug, but it's holding an excessive amount of coffee mug today. And also, y'all, Camille sent me the cutest cup. Look at this. Highly <laughs> hormonal. So I got my water up here and repping my cup. So this was a gift. Camille sent this to me in the mail. I didn't know it was coming. It was such a like cute little sweet surprise. So double fist in this morning, coffee and water. Thank you so much for that. It was You're so, welcome. It's so fun to get mail. Yes. You know, that's not a bill. Wanting something. Yeah, um, and for even sure. even better when it's a cute little gift. Okay, what am I wearing? Wearing a little sweatshirt this morning. It's one y'all probably already seen before. It is cooler here. I have said this on the podcast several times. I feel like where we live, where I live, not where Camille lives, because she's living on, you know, Hell's Kitchen, but it's been all summer. I feel like we've maybe at this point had seven-ish hot days. Wow. I don't think we've hit, we've had two days of heat advice. Well, I think that's a lot. I think we've had three days of heat advisories, but only one that was really hot. The other two... They said it was a heat advisor. It was not that hot. It's in the 70s right now. It's raining. Wow. It's been storming since last yeah. night. That's how all the kids woke up for school today. They all hopped up early because it was storming. Um, so I'm just, you know, like, like I woke up like this. I dropped my kids <laughs> off at school like this. I went to the dollar store when I dropped them off. Where's your actually, mom bun? Yeah, I actually ran in there with no bra. Because I'm in survival mode, I'm not reading anything. Y'all know that I like books and I have plenty, probably have a stack of like 12 on my nightstand, but I'm not currently reading anything and watching. I'm not watching anything either. Have lots of little documentaries that I'd like to watch on Netflix, but when I say survival mode, like my kids are alive and taken care of and getting to school on time and my animals are okay. My house isn't very clean um, and I'm a disaster. So, and eating wise, we'll talk about that a little more because of what we're talking about today. So I'll just mm. save that for later. Mm. Okay. So Camille, why don't you tell me what you're wearing, what you're eating, reading, listening to, all the things. Okay. So I am wearing a t-shirt from, it's hard to see. I mean, if you're not, mayo if you're just tomato. listening, it says mayo tomato. My daughter got it for me for my birthday. 
this summer. Um, little red t-shirt, uh, so cute. It came from a place called the Bitter Southerner. I'll try to link that in the show notes. That's who I am most of the time. We're <laughs> the Bitter Southerner. It's a cute little website. You know, they got all kind of little stuff or whatever. But anyway, gift items and stuff. And then I'm going to also link the Cup website, um, Candice. I know her personally. And so um, I have a matching one. I do not have it with me right now. It is dirty, but I have to wash it. But uh, anyway, I'll link uh, Candace's creations uh, down there for uh, all of you in the show notes as well. I am drinking coffee. And let me say this. I'm going to be real bougie. I'm drinking Nespresso because I bought me a Nespresso machine. I am so excited for this thing. It's probably going to, you know, kill my budget to buy all these pods, but I don't care. I love it right now. It's so much cheaper than running to the, the you know, your local well, coffee place or Starbucks. Well, yeah, I mean, for sure. But anyway, so I have Nespresso and just some protein creamer or whatever. So let's talk about what, and I haven't eaten breakfast yet. And we'll talk about, again, we're going to talk about food in a little bit, but all right. So what I'm reading. I am listening to an audiobook right now. None of this is true by Lisa Jewell. It is a buddy read I'm doing with my friend Haley. And it's a like a mystery thriller and it's about a podcast. So, you know, I had to listen. Then I'm listening to a podcast um, that I subscribe to, Opportun- The Opportunist. It's anyway, she usually does anywhere from like single episodes about like true stories or multiple you know like up to four or five episodes or whatever about one topic but anyway about different opportunists people that take advantage of other people Mm -hmm. and stuff like that but anyway it's really good and then watching I my best friend and I enjoy k-dramas these are Korean dramas on Netflix now she likes them like way more than I do she watches them all the time but I have gotten into them as well and I will sometimes watch one and so we just finished one when I went to visit her last week and now we've started another one so I'm watching a k-drama right now so we can do a whole tell me about some there's something about like the pop-up yes oh my gosh that's my all-time favorite one the mystic pop-up that's it that, that, oh my gosh, that's my all-time favorite one. But this one is called Crash Course in Romance. And okay. so, anyway, anyway. And where can cute people watch and they're sweet. That? On Netflix. They have okay. tons of them on Netflix. If you ever search one, Netflix will let you know they have like 6,000 more that you can watch. <laughs> they yeah. will recommend them to you. But they are just um, very just wholesome. There's, you know, not a lot of like really bad language there's no um like sex scenes or anything like that just very wholesome and clean now occasionally there'll be a you know a profanity or something but the word it's not it's very rare it's not every character all the time and the stories are real just kind of sweet and heartfelt now some of them are more like dark and moody and whatever and then some of them are about like revenge or you know whatever but um anyway they're they're really just I I really enjoy them and it's usually like eight to 16 episodes and then like the whole show's over so it's kind of like watching a movie but in sections if that makes any sense mm-hmm. and anyway they're good I enjoy them they're good okay all right here we go topic of the day it's you dieting but dieting dear oh, I know y'all can relate everybody who's listening 
We know you can because I've already looked up all the statistics. So yeah. Yeah. All right, lay them, lay the statistics on me. I want to hear because okay. I have personal experience, but I don't do the research like you do. So lay it on me, sister. Y'all, I'm making all kinds of noise, knocking stuff up. I got a candle lit up here. Ooh, it's thunderstorming. It's a little cool. I'm like every other basic white woman out there, and I love fall. <laughs> okay. okay, I got a fall candle rolling. You know, I'm just in my fields. My kids are at school. My husband ain't home. I'm like, this is my time. We've already talked about this in an episode. Okay, so yeah, I'm living my best life sure, up here sure. in this disaster of a toy room. So, okay, <laughs> so like always, Camille is going to put these link everything that we talk about in the show notes. So there's one website that I looked up that pulled information from lots of studies. So some information came directly from the CDC. Some came from literally tons of studies because it is such dieting and weight loss and health, which you could pick apart and they're not necessarily all the same thing, but there's tons of research out there about this stuff. So according to the CDC, 17, 17.1% of Americans are currently actively on a diet. That is, and that's just the people that have admitted it. Correct. And so, study. right. So, if you guys get on these links, there's a lot of information on there. So, if you dig into that, so that's what the CDC says. I don't know how they got that information, but there are other smaller research, but all of these smaller individual studies, that number is significantly higher than that. So like significantly, none of them support that stat. According to the CDC, 80% of adults, American adults, say they could be healthier. They don't define what that is either. Okay. 52% of adults 18 to 34 have tried a diet in the past year. And this information is from 23, so it's very current. So within the past 12 months calendar year, Um, From the time we're recording this, 52% of young adults, 43% of all women have dieted in the last year. 40, okay? this It's staggering. There's lots of information. I'm only going to hit the high points. But weight loss and health, whether that is gym memberships or specific diets um, that come with an app or supplements or whatever it be. It weight loss is a huge industry mm-hmm. in the U.S. alone for the year 23. Y'all, we're only a little halfway through it at the time of recording this. It's already a $3.4 billion industry this mm-hmm. year alone. Yeah, it's insane. And globally in 2021, it was a $132.7 billion industry. That's because we all stayed at home for the dang pandemic and gained. All we did was eat. Mm-hmm. And there's some, I didn't write all of this down. Y'all can read more of it there. Y'all, Camille does makeup and sells makeup. You can put your little shameless plug here. You plugged the podcast this morning. I, <laughs> I was running behind because I was watching Camille put her makeup on this morning. She puts her makeup on. But you talked about this morning that you've started trying to run again. Because mm-hmm. you do walk all the time. And you've said that on the podcast. Yeah. It says that running has declined significantly since COVID, but the business is growing. It's, I don't know, there's a lot of interesting trends in it. Asia and Pacific Islanders have the lowest obesity rate out of any nationality. 95% of Americans want to lose weight for their own well-being. 
while 71.4% want to lose weight for their personal appearance. This, this one is upsetting. 46.2% of adult Americans want to lose weight because of a spouse. Really? I'm ready to whoop somebody's ass. They're telling your spouse, beautiful and amazing and thanking them for all they do to contribute to your family. I'm going to just put this in there. My daddy was one of those people to my mother. They're no longer married. So again, yeah. And this number is also really sad. And something that I guess I have thought about because I've been uncomfortable in certain situations, um, but not something that I thought about people in a whole. I thought this was more in my head. 37.8% want to lose weight to improve their social life and avoid discrimination. So improving your social life, I would think maybe dating scene or Mm -hmm. if you're the heavier of all your friend group Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. going out to eat, you know, and having to eat with all those little skinny minis at the dinner table, you know, that is right, right, right. But discrimination, I'm also going to throw this in there and we'll talk about it later. I'm a registered dietitian. I hate talking to people about weight loss. I would much rather talk to a diabetic. I would much rather talk to somebody that just had a heart attack or a heart cath and they need to eat healthier. I hate talking to people about their weight. Not that Mm -hmm. I won't do it, but I don't love it. And the reason I don't love it is part of that number there about avoiding discrimination. Mm -hmm. If y'all are listening and you are a heavier person, I feel like in today's society, it does not matter what you go to the doctor for. The first thing they're going to tell you to do is lose weight. And they've already passed judgment on you. You know, people are Mm -hmm. judgy, whether it's a healthcare professional or somebody on the street, like when they're taking you in and like, or we're not talking about kids today, but if you know a heavy child, they're last to get picked for kickball at school you know so like discrimination Mm -hmm. is something that I never super thought about but is real and it's really sad that it impacts that many people yeah so there's lots of methods out there for weight loss lots of diets y'all know that you see it when you scroll Instagram or Facebook You hear it uh, on the soccer field with your friends. You hear women you don't know talking about it in the grocery store. I mean, because it is everywhere. But the number one method of weight loss or things people do to diet is calorie deficit. Okay. So they either cut their calories or they count their calories. But what tied equally with that was exercise. Okay. And we're not going to dive too deep into that. The second method that folks use most commonly to lose weight is to increase their vegetable intake, followed by drinking more water. And then it goes on to say eating less unhealthy foods, changing eating habits, then less sugar, then consuming lower calorie foods. So that's not the same thing as counting calories. That's just... You know, you eat lettuce, you know, like a lettuce wrap over a hamburger with a bun and all the fixings, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. a less calorie food option, then less carbs. I was surprised that was so low on the list because low carb diets are promoted with certain, well, for certain illnesses or procedures and and whatnot. And that's, so that's 30.4% of everybody who is dieting, they're doing a low carb diet. Um, then followed by less fat intake and then finally skipping meals. And I don't think it's skipping meals as in like fasting, like intermittent fasting. I think they're like. just cutting out meals. I'm not diving into exercise too much. 
because calorie deficits and exercise, they tied for the number one thing, but 83% of people who have tried to diet are doing two or more of those things in combination together. <clears throat> oh, I see from the list you were reading. Like yes. they're Okay. 64 million Americans have a gym membership. 64 million. Wow. Okay. Americans <laughs> take up one third of all gym memberships in the world. In the world. Oh, wow. Okay. That's crazy. And yeah. I just had to throw this in here. The state that exercises the most is Vermont. Guess which state exercises the least? Probably the one I live in. It's the one <laughs> I live in. And I'm a Kentuckian and I ain't exercising. So I'm fine with all these statistics, right? Right. Right. And I'm going to move Vermont. I don't think it was too cold part of the year for they're climatized. I don't know. I they guess maybe they're things. maybe they're skiing though. They're skiing every day. Right. Because all the snow. Yeah. Okay. Snowboarding and skiing and stuff. Okay. They're I mean, Vermont, they're doing good things in Vermont. Good for them. Fifty um, percent of people regularly stop eating when full. So basically it's saying that we have a problem with overeating. Like mm -hmm. we know mm -hmm. that we're full or we're getting full and we don't stop. We continue uh -huh. to push there. Over 50% of right. people eat because of stress, at least sometimes. So uh, Americans are stress eaters and Americans don't stop when they're full. 15% of people feel guilty about what they eat always or often. So we're doing I would all think these. that would be higher, actually. I, I did too. Um, so. Either, Based yeah. on the other stats, I would think that would be even higher. Uh, that one was surprising to me too. So I thought this was really interesting because I don't eat breakfast for lots of reasons. It doesn't agree with me. I'm not usually hungry that time of day. And if I am, I don't know. I, my tummy doesn't like stuff in it other than coffee or water early in the morning. But 78% of successful weight loss participants eat breakfast every day. They don't dig into that, but I'm going to say it's because you eat and then you're on the go. Maybe it mm. tides you over. You're not as hungry because I'll admit sometimes when I, sometimes I don't eat breakfast. Some days I'm fine. Lunch comes around and I'm not that hungry. Other times it comes around and I'm starving to death. And so that probably you're more prone to overeat. Mm -hmm. Probably. Okay. That might, yeah, that would make sense. And 62% of successful uh, weight, loss, weight loss participants watch less than 10 hours of television a week. And okay. so now I'm just going to jump into obesity rates and we'll hop right into our topic. Okay. So America, y'all, we in trouble. Yeah. We, need, we got work to do. 69% of U.S. adults are overweight or obese. That is two-thirds of our population. Two-thirds. Okay. And okay. just so y'all know what overweight and obese is. Okay. How well, is that defined? Yeah. Okay. That is defined by BMI, which is a body mass index. I could give you the formula to do it. If y'all need to know yours, literally just Google it. The internet will tell you there. there's lots of sites that do the calculation and they'll tell you where you fall. So a normal BMI is 18.5 to 24.9. So then is this for women or men or either? Either. Either. Okay. And that is something I will say. I feel like BMI is a little out today okay. because I, I am a registered dietitian and I working clinically, I would have to calculate people's BMI. Mm -hmm. But then there's another formula that um, is ideal body weight. Okay. And so sometimes people's ideal body weight would say they were underweight. So there's a lot to be said. And BMI does not factor gender. 
BMI does not factor muscle mass. Okay. Okay. Or activity levels. So keep that in mind. Um, But that is what we use standardly in America and really across the world is a a body mass index. So overweight is a BMI of 25 to 29.9. Obese is 30 to 39.9. And a BMI of 40 or greater is considered morbidly obese. And that terminology, y'all may be familiar with that, but it's still kind of relatively new, but it was needed, unfortunately, because so many people fall within that. Like I said, y'all can Google this to find out what your own is. But just to give you an example, if you are a woman who is Mm 5'3", if your weight range is 141 to 163 pounds, you're overweight. If you're 169 to 220 pounds, you're obese. And if you weigh 230 or more, you're morbidly obese. And then the same being said for a woman who's five foot seven, you're overweight with 159 to 185 pounds, obese at 191 to 250 pounds, and then considered morbidly obese with that BMI of 40 or greater if you're 260 or more. So 69%. Wow. I mean, that's staggering to me. It's overwhelming and sad. I have lots of theories and that's why we're here, right? Y'all want our opinions and whatnot. But before we dive into Camille's and my personal experience with diets and our thoughts on this topic, I'm going to do a little trivia with Camille and y'all. Okay. And I've got my pen, so I'm going to keep up with your score. Okay. Okay. I'm real competitive. Okay. I hope I get this right. All right. So these are statistics for the year 2023. Okay. Top 10 obese states in America. Okay. So I need to try to name some of these top 10. Top 10. Okay. All right. I'm going with a lot of Southern states. I'm going to say Mississippi, Alabama. I'm going to say Tennessee. Okay. I'm going to say Arkansas, Louisiana. I'm going with Kentucky in the top 10. I'm going to throw in a couple wild cards. Illinois. Just throwing that out there. I don't know why. (laughs) Just threw it out there. Just felt good. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Just felt right. Kansas, Oklahoma. How many have I named? I don't even know how many I've named. You've named, I think you've named nine. Okay. I'll go with one more. Let's go with two more just in case I miscounted. Okay. Let's say, hmm, let me think. Some, okay. Uh, West Virginia. Okay. And uh, Georgia. I don't know. I just did that one out there too. All right. So, how many did I get at the top 10? Seven. All right. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. So tell me what those seven were that I got. Louisiana, Arkansas, Mississippi, Oklahoma, Kentucky, Alabama, and West Virginia. I actually got the top six. Okay. All right. Okay. So what were the other three then that I, I didn't get? Missouri, Ohio, and South Dakota. South Dakota. That one was weird to me too. Okay. Okay. You sticking with the South about smoking, overweight, eating bad, dying early. It's us. It's (laughs) too much drinking and not enough education. We all fall right there, I'm sure. Right. West Virginia was actually um, number one and 40.7% of that state's obese. Kentucky's number three. Mississippi's number five. Y'all have done better. Y'all are doing Oh my gosh. What are we doing? Because we have always been like in the top three. Right, Kentucky too. Kentucky, Mississippi, and West Virginia are usually the worst always Mm -hmm. for everything. Mm -hmm. But so that's obesity rates. Okay. Then there's a health score. I'm not diving into that because 
that factors mental health, physical health, death rates, all kinds of things. Okay. West Virginia is number one. Mississippi is number two. And Kentucky's number three with the worst scores of those health rates. Okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. So we're more open. Beast, but I think y'all are more likely to die earlier. <laughs> oh my gosh, I'm not laughing because I mean it's a terrible thing, but I'm just like, oh my word, like okay. Camille, we're in trouble. Yeah, yes, we certainly are. Okay. And so before we turn into our personal, go ahead okay. and tell me. I've got one more trivia for you. Okay. You're really okay. one you're competitive, but you're really good at that. Okay. Okay. Lowest obesity rates. Top. Mm. I have a top eleven because there were two ties. So just okay. Okay, lowest. Okay. Lowest. All right. I'm going with Colorado. Okay. Washington State. Okay. Oregon. Montana. Wyoming. Florida. All right. I've named seven. Okay. Let me see. Vermont. I'm going to pull That's right. I'm going to pull that one out. Uh, Maine. Let's see. Maryland. That's nine. Let me do 10. I'm going to say California. I'm going to throw California out there in the mix. And... So I'll do 11 since you had 11. I'll do some middle state. Nebraska. I just threw that in. Okay. All right. So okay. how'd I do on those? You got five. A little bit less. Okay. All right. So give it to me. So you say Colorado. Colorado has the lowest obesity rate. Okay. I figured it's a lot of mountains. It's a lot of walking. But that being said, I don't have the exact number. I read it, but I forgot to write it down. It's still 30 something percent or right okay. around 30, give or take. Yeah. So you got Colorado. You got California, Florida, Washington, and Vermont. You missed Rhode Island, Connecticut, Mm. New York, New Jersey, Massachusetts, and Hawaii. I forgot about Hawaii. And God bless Hawaii. We don't talk about current events, but at this point, y'all know that Maui had a huge fire. Horrible. I know. Yeah, I know it. So there's on the sad, sad truth. Okay. Unless wow. y'all live in one of those top 10 states, then good for y'all. Y'all are, y'all are killing it. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Oh my gosh. Okay. So it was a lot of Northeastern states really that were, and see, I was thinking maybe Northwest because of like, you know, I don't know, just the lifestyle is not to, to me, the Northeast. Now I don't know. Okay. This is my, this is my opinion only like the Northeast seems more like fast paced and mm-hmm. the Northwest seems more relaxed to me. Mm-hmm. And so that was in my mind kind of when I made my, when I picked those, you know, states out, but okay, cool. Well, Washington and California weren't on there. So yeah, yeah. It, it's coastal places. Oh yeah, know. that's true. I don't know. California is a large state. It's not all coastal, but yeah, but also California, they tend to, to be healthier in general. So yeah, if y'all ever see, have you ever seen commercials or advertisements about visiting a specific state? Oh yeah. California does promote a lot of like physical movement in some form or another. And, you know, I feel like Southern states talk about good places to sit and relax and good places to eat and drink. Mm -hmm. That's probably, I think you're probably dead on with that. Y'all come down here and eat. Come on, yeah. pull a chair up at the table mm-hmm. and grab a fork. We're going to be eating. Yeah, for sure. Y'all, if you don't live in the South and you listen, send us an email or comment on YouTube or Instagram or Facebook 
Because I want to know, because obviously Camille and I were born and raised in the South and still live in the South. We feed people. That's like, so we've made the jokes about food being our love language. And maybe that's because we're Southerners. But like when people growing up would come to your house, would your mama not try to feed them? Yeah. Yeah. You want to stay for dinner or are you hungry or or whatever? And like, I feel like that is, we're frozen. Okay, there you are. Yep. It's storming here. It's okay. It's starting. So like, I feel like that's ingrained. Like when I pick my kids up, after I ask how their day was, it's, are you hungry? Mm-hmm. Somebody comes over. Are you hungry? Like I just have seen that my whole life. You go visit your grandparents. They give you little Debbie cakes or whatever. Like they, you're constantly being fed. And looking back, it feels so ingrained to me on my 21st birthday I had a big party at my apartment and I had so much food. And literally every time somebody walked through the door at my own birthday party, are y'all hungry? We've got X, Y, Z and there's whatever in the fridge and Mm -hmm. Chad's out there grilling burgers and whatever. Like, so I want to know, like, does ever, is that an American thing? Are we trying to comfort everybody or is that just Southerners? We just feeding everybody that walks within our vicinity. Yeah, exactly. I feel the same way because I feel like we, I can just remember as a child, like always, and we've had an episode about leftovers, but always having so much food available to not, I mean, truthfully, and I know this is not the case in everybody's life, but I don't know that I've ever been really hungry because I've always had food available to me. I've been blessed in that respect, that I've never had to worry about where my next meal was going to come from, right? But the opposite of that is I've had too much food available to me or the wrong foods, I should say, available Mm -hmm. to me to have good health and to keep a healthy weight and to not struggle with those issues. So there's two sides of that coin, you know, and not that one is better or worse than the other by any stretch of the imagination, but just knowing that it's two-sided, if that makes sense. Oh, absolutely. Did your parents push you to clean your plate, eat everything on your plate? I had a grandparent who did that, um, Mm -hmm. but my parents never really, I don't think my parents ever really ever really did that. But I have some really poor eating habits that I've had to break um, in my lifetime. And part of it was because my, when I was a child, my mother was a single parent for many years and she did not, she does not, she did not then, she does not now have good eating habits herself, nutritional wise, nutritionally. Okay. So I picked up a lot of those habits. And when I was a child, she was the only one buying the groceries, right? I mean, I was a child. I didn't have a job and money in a car. (laughs) So I wasn't going to the grocery store. And so there weren't always the healthiest choices made available to me. Now, I'm not trying to completely blame and, you know, cast off blame on that but I do think it contributed to a lot of the habits that I had to break Mm -hmm. and learning how to make a healthier choice in you know in my lifetime Mm -hmm. I mean I really do feel like that because it wasn't at that point in my life it wasn't available to me to always have the healthier option 
it was a lot of really a lot of junk food, a lot of just not good things, process, a lot of processed foods growing up. Mm-hmm. And so when I became a teenager and could make my own choices, I was already in the habit of picking the bad thing, you know, the thing right. that was less nutritional, I should say. And so it just kind of snowballed. And so I never really got into good, healthy habits until I was probably in my mid to late forties, honestly. Mm-hmm. I mean, you're talking about, you know, that you can't place all the blame <clears throat> on how you grew up, but think about how long you live with your parents. And right. even, even when you're 17, you might go pick up, a, you know, a couple of things at the grocery that you really like, but ultimately your parents are still purchasing all of those foods. Mm-hmm. They are still most likely the one preparing all of those foods. So yeah, granted, you leave and you go to school and you eat meals there, but think about how many meals you ate at home with your parents and those were your food choices. So no, I agree. You can't place all the blame, but my gosh, that's 18 or so years. Yeah. At least one Sometimes, most of the time, probably two, and then even at times three meals a day with that. I mean, like, Mm -hmm. you know, nature versus nurture. I mean, that's what you were taught, you know, for a very long time. So, you know, I don't think we can 100% blame anybody or anything for any kind of outcome. But my God, I think. Yeah, for sure. And I realized that it had. The groundwork. Yeah. Yeah. No, for sure. I totally agree with that. And I don't, I do know there's some responsibility there because as a mother myself to a children, now adult children, I see where I push some of my bad habits Mm -hmm. onto my own children. Now I gave them more good habits than I had because I provided more of a variety than I was given but yes, I pushed my bad habits, whether intentionally or not, you know, maybe it was subconscious. Maybe it's just, they saw me have some bad habits and they picked up on those or whether I said, here's basically, here's bad habit number 17. Everybody's going to do this. I mean, I don't know, but I do take responsibility for that as a mom, because I see now even my adult children, you know, one of them, it's very few food groups, very mm-hmm. few, and very few items in each food group. So I do feel a lot of responsibility about that, you know? It's only one. You know, I think it comes back to that saying about cut from the same cloth and yeah. how different you can be. Because I've got three kids, and I, my oldest, who is 10, is a vegetarian. By choice, I do not push that on her. I am not a vegetarian. I was a vegan for a couple of years, and I we can talk about that. I will say that was the best I ever felt in my life. My skin was clear. I slept soundly. I was not sick. I, that was probably the prime health of my life, but y'all ain't doing that again. I like meat. So my 10-year-old doesn't eat meat eats tons of fruit, all of the fruit, eats most vegetables, does not like processed food. If there are sweets around, she likes them, but she doesn't overindulge, whether by choice or she doesn't want it. 
like she'll eat a chocolate chip cookie and I'll say, well, I made 12, you know, brother and sister have already had two. Would you like another one? No, I'm fine. I don't need it or whatever. Um, And she's fantastic. Then the second kid come along and all this kid wants to do is eat pork and ketchup and chicken nuggets. She will not Mm -hmm. eat fruit. No fruit. Like you give it to her, you, she will gag. Sometimes she will force herself to vomit. Okay. Mm -hmm. We drama. Okay. Yeah. We have kind of turned a new leaf in our house where I have, I have gone back to a way it used to be because I got away from it. I'm putting everything on their plate and you have to try it because I have become a short order chef in here and I make Mm -hmm. a meal for my husband and I'm in everybody. One will eat it and then the others will pick and choose. Um, So now she's not throwing up and she'll try stuff, but she'd rather try a vegetable than a fruit. It's the strangest thing to me. Fruit Mm. is kind of sweet and colorful and inviting, but she don't want anything to do with it. And then my son, he'll eat everything, you know? So the one is not eating meat and eating processed crap and ketchup. And then the boy, thank God for him. He's normal and he'll eat everything. (laughs) Vegetables, meat, healthy, unhealthy. Like he's just like the combination. So I mean, they're all three in the house seeing the same thing, just like with your kiddo. So don't be blaming yourself for everything. Sometimes they're just strange. Yeah. I've got them in mind. No, I mean, you're right. I mean, because my son is the one that like eats very few food groups and very few items in those food groups. And then my daughter is way more open to trying things and lots of vegetables and stuff like that. For a while, she was... She has done vegan. She has done vegetarian, pescatarian, politarian, you name it. Okay. But all of them, but, um, she's much more open to trying different things, you know, and cooking for herself and like try uh, throw in some different spices or whatever. So, I mean, yes. However, when she was little, she spent three months one time and I'm not even joking. I'm not exaggerating on this. Okay. Cause I kept up with it three months, three meals a day. She ate SpaghettiOs without the wieners, SpaghettiOs straight out of the can, three meals a day. Oh, cold. She ate it cold. Room temp, like get them out of the cabinet, open the can and dump them out. Or she'd Mm-mm. eat them straight out of the can. And she was only like four or five years old. And I was terrified, but I was like, doing something to her health. You know, about she's like, oh my God, she's going to be, you know, have this terrible health problems and all that. I mean, she finally just like one day she was like, I don't like spaghettios. And I was like, thank you, <laughs> Lord, thank you. And I threw all the spaghettios away and she, you know, it was fine. But I mean, but for now, for her to like try different foods and do her own cooking and stuff like that, you know, a lot of it does change just with your age and life. I mean, she was just a little kid and she liked it. And that was, you know, the end of it. But mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, I have worried about their nutritional needs over the years. And, but I saw myself get fixated on food. Like I know now I got fixated on foods like that. It was never SpaghettiOs, gag, but you know, but I got fixated on foods. I still do sometimes, even in my own, like, 
diet world that I live in, right? If I find a meal that I like or a food that I like that I know is high in protein or, you know, whatever I'm doing right now, low in carbs or it's no sugar or it's whatever, and it tastes good to me, I will have it a lot until I cannot stand it anymore. So I get fixated on those things too. I mean, even your fixation is different. Your fixation is health driven because you know it fits within those parameters. Yeah. And not that it's not fixation, but I think it is a little different. But also, we're talking child versus adult. Right. I'm not concerned about her health. I'm just concerned about the texture of room temperature SpaghettiOs in her mouth. My brain is like, Telling me, don't think it all the way through because you're going to gag. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. But I will say this, both of them, both of my children, okay, do not eat beef of any sort. Okay. None. They eat no red meat. They do not eat you pork. You love beef. Uh, you better believe I do. They do not eat pork of any kind. Okay. Okay. And they do not eat any ground meats. So even if it were chicken or turkey, it would not be, they would not eat it if it was ground up. Gotcha. That is a texture thing. But I mean, and I have a terrible story about my two-year-old and cooking hamburger meat. It's horrible. But anyway, so I don't know. The weird part about that is, is like, I know why my daughter doesn't eat red meat. She did not, she As a child, she did not like the way it smelled when it was cooking. Mm -hmm. Obviously, the blood cooking out of it, you know, because red meat, a lot of blood. And she did not like that and had physical reactions to it. So she did not want to eat red meat, right? And then the ground meat is a texture thing for both of them. But now my son, I mean, I don't really know why he doesn't eat red meat because She didn't. I don't know if he just didn't. And then as he got older, he just didn't like it or like the texture or he'd never tried it. Really? He did. I mean, I guess he tried it a time or two, but like, I mean, neither one of them, no red meat and no pork. Okay. They eat chicken, fish, seafood. That's him. And then, you know, as far as meats go, but, but I cook beef, red meat and pork all the time. So it wasn't that they weren't exposed to it and given the opportunity on that, that was just something else them personally that they, and, and neither one of them have like, oh, I don't eat it because it's, you know, got a face or it's got parents or whatever. Like that has nothing to do with it. Literally nothing to do with it because they eat chicken, you know, they eat whatever, but it's. It, I guess it's a texture thing. I don't know if it's flavor. I don't know if they can still taste the blood even when something's cooked, you know, in their mind. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I really don't know. I really don't know. Yeah. But. Aniston, her issue, I think a little bit is that it has a face. Um, <clears throat> so when she was, she's 10 now, actually she should be 11 this year soon. That's crazy. She's growing up. They're growing up fast. When she was three, she'd always, she ate meat up until then. Well, obviously not as an infant, but um, you know, we introduced her to meat. She never was weird about it, no matter what kind. So I knew it wasn't a texture thing. But then one day she was three, she quit eating it. And I kept trying to put it on her plate and she wouldn't eat it. And I have like said this before, like she is an old soul. And at the age of three, her wise little mature mind, she told me that she did not want to eat animals because they had souls. But then she recognized that God gave us animals for a lot of reasons. And one of those was to feed us. 
but she was not going to eat them. So she doesn't. And she has no issue with anybody else eating meat. She has no issues with it being cooked. I mean, she's even made the comment that it smells good when it's cooking sometimes, but Mm -hmm. she's not going to eat it. So she has no aversion to it being around her cooking or like you literally sitting right across from her eating it. No issues. It's just, she thinks I've got a soul and she ain't going to eat them. And I respect that. So she doesn't eat it. Yeah. I mean, that's, yeah, for sure. Especially if they have a reason for it. You Mm -hmm. know what I mean? Like, you know, anyway, not just because somebody else said so. Right. You know, you got, you need your own reason for whatever that is. My son is starting to realize though, although it's always been discussed um, because we live on a farm Mm -hmm. and I am a dietitian and I just love food in general. I don't know what has like clicked in his brain, but he now realizes that chicken comes from real chickens. It's not just that we call it that. And that steak comes from cows and he has cried a couple of times about it and asked why we're eating them I give him my little spiel he's okay with it but then he says it makes him sad but he will eat it but he doesn't eat it as well if he has an episode but he doesn't talk about it every single time so and the kids are raising chickens in the house again we got little chicks started up in the house again and you know, chickens on the menu this week. So we'll see how that goes. Yeah. And that just may be something like as he matures that he comes to whatever decision he's going to make about it. You know, he may just be in that kind of transition where he's trying to figure out, does he, you know, how he feels about it and make up his mind about what he really, you know, wants to do. And it's not like he can't change his mind later. I mean, right. He made it, you know. Well, do you want to tell us about your personal history with dieting? Sure. Sure. I have always been overweight. Uh, Even as a child, I was the bigger, biggest girl in my group of, in my friend group in high school and always the biggest in my circle, even as an adult. At one point, uh, my weight had really gotten out of control. I, I don't know. You know, I can blame it on a lot of things. Anyway, my weight got out of control and I started having health issues with my weight. Now, I know weight in and of itself is a health issue, but this was calling causing secondary health issues. Mm-hmm. Okay. And I have seen my mother be obese, morbidly obese most of my life. Um, I can remember, I mean, she's always been overweight and then obese. And then what, based on the numbers you gave us earlier, morbidly obese, um, for part of that time. And I saw all of the health issues she had, secondary health issues, heart, high blood pressure, diabetes, diverticulitis. I mean, there's a whole list of them. Okay. I can't count them all on two hands and the amount of medicines. And so I, in 20 16 was put on high blood pressure medicine and I rocked along. I'm not a person that likes to take medicine at all. And I rocked along. And at the beginning of 2017, I just told my husband, I said, I can't do this. I cannot just let this go and just take another pill and take another pill and take another pill and take another pill. I just, I can't. And uh, so I had tried every look. I tried Jenny Craig when that was big. Mm-hmm. I tried Nutrisystem, spent way too much money on that, on that cardboard food. It was terrible. I've tried Lanquazine, Healthy, what was that one called? Healthy Healthy something. Choice. Healthy Choice. There we go. Done those. 
Um, I have counted calories. I have done the calorie exercise deficit. I have uh, done low fat. I have done low carb. I have done way down through the church. I have done prism through the church. I have, I, I mean, I could continue on here. Can I just understand say to me. Yeah. You're talking about these weight loss things through the church. Mm-hmm. Growing up, our church did that too. I think they did Weight mm-hmm. Watchers. Oh, I've done Weight Watchers. Oh, yeah, yeah. I've done that two or three times. I don't know that I like that the church does that. I know that the church um, is supposed to be more, it's community-based, right? It's trying to bring people to Jesus, trying to like figure out things that y'all have in common and help, not just spiritually, but mind, right. body, soul, right? The whole thing. Yeah. But like hearing you say that, I'm going to say this bud word, buzzword. I was triggered. I was like, why are we doing that? Mm-hmm. And you, you can disagree with me, but I'm like, Ooh, I don't like that. Yeah. I don't like that. Yeah. Well, we, yeah. Mm-hmm. Anyway, I've done, Oh, first place. That was another church weight, uh, weight loss one. So that's that three one. of, Oh yeah. There's three of them that I've done. I have done like online stuff. I have done in-person meetings, read books, you know, I've done the cabbage diet. I've done the mayo diet. Oh, yeah. That was terrible because I hate soup. That was terrible. I didn't last long on that one. I lasted about two or three days. I was like, oh, wow. That just but anyway. seems smelly. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I do like cabbage. Cooked. I do like cabbage, but not cabbage soup. I don't eat soups. But um, I have tried. I, I mean, I, I would say that I have pretty much tried everything out there, you know, because I have counted every kind of thing you could count. I've got the apps. I've got the whole thing. I did the Daniel fast one time. I only made it 14 days. Girl, that was tough. That will clean out your system though. Let me just say. (laughs) If y'all are struggling with constipation. Girl, get you a Daniel fast. (laughs) We'll get things going. But so all that to say, in 2017, I was headed down a very bad path physically because I was taking a medicine for high blood pressure. They had up my dose, up my dose, up my dose. And at the first of 2017, that was in 2016, at the first of 2017, they were about to put me on a second blood pressure medicine because that and one during this been, time, are you doing a diet? I am doing the see it, eat it, okay, okay. lifestyle. And look, there were other extenuating factors that we're not going into, but okay, I'm a stress eater. So there you go. Emotional stress. All right. So it was a very, it was a lot of turmoil in my life at that point, stress and emotions. And I just decided I can't do this. I can't go down this same path and just have all these health issues. I just didn't want that for myself. And I didn't want that for my kids to see me like that. I didn't want that for my husband to watch me spiral out of control like that. Mm -hmm. And so I decided to have a vertical sleeve gastrectomy, a VSG, where they take your stomach and they cut off about 80% of it. And it becomes basically the size of my two fingers like this. That's the width of it right there. That's it. it only holds about three or four ounces, the pouch that's left behind. And so it's not a bypass. It, you know, it's not the ruin why that's the, the most common bypass. Yes. It's not, not that. A sleeve. it's called a sleeve. They call okay. it a sleeve, but um, you are surgically removing part of the stomach. 
Yes, it's gone. Okay. They did it laparoscopically. And then, but there's also, oh, band, the lap band. I don't mm-hmm. know if you've ever heard of that one, mm-hmm. but anyway, that's another one. But I went with the vertical okay, sleeve. We talked about all of these at school. And I'm sure. Yes. The, yeah, they scared the bejesus out of me. Yeah. Have never looked back in that. I've never regretted that decision. I went into it. Um, I My insurance required six months of like therapy and you know, research and trying different things and all and doctor's visits and all of that. So I went into it the whole time during that six months. I, my attitude was I'm moving forward today and I have my surgery scheduled, but I can always say no, if I decide this is not right for me. And I knew I was going to have to give up some things like carbonation, carbonated drinks. You're not really supposed to have carbonated drinks anymore. And, you know, I knew I was going to have to really watch like my sugar intake because too much sugar can flood your system and you have dumping syndrome. I mean, so it's a lot of things. And a lot of people that have this surgery have also like within a few months had their gallbladder out because we, you start to get gallbladder issues because of the way your body is processing food now or not processing things. Right. And enzymes and all of that stuff. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. And I just went into it with the attitude that I know I need to change things. This is going to be a tool for me to make the necessary changes in my life. Not that this was going to be my out And I did not, I saw it, yes, as a lifestyle change. And it's something that I needed to do to get my health back on track. But I saw it as a tool and I just went into it. I did a lot of praying, a lot of emotional work with the therapist, as well as just on my own and was prepared. And as a matter of fact, the day I went in for my surgery, I went, you know, went back to the operating room and my doctor said, I've never He said, I'm not sure I've seen a patient who looks as happy as you going into this. You don't look scared at all. And I said, I'm not because I've prepared myself that this is going to change the way I view health and my life, my lifestyle. So I woke up, never had any trouble. I mean, felt a little nauseous the next day. I was out of there within 24 hours. I mean, I have never never looked back. And that was in, that was December of 2017. So we're coming up on six years since I've had this. Wow. I lost a hundred pounds and I still struggle. It is not the end all be all. Mm -hmm. It is not for everybody. It was for me. Well, within just a few months, no, within the first two months of having it, I was off that blood pressure medicine completely. That's fantastic. And I don't take anything like that now. I don't have diabetes. I don't have, um, you know, blood pressure issues. I have regular checkups. I do all of the things I, you know, I really, but I, it's a constant struggle. Every meal, every bite, every snack, I have to stop and think, is this going to benefit me? Am I, if it's not, am I willing to face whatever comes next? Meaning, am I eating too much sugar and I'm going to have dumping later? Maybe. Am I going to face it like it is and just be a big girl and say, well, that's that's what you did. You made the choice. And so I just look at it all like that. Like I'm making the choice for myself, my family. It, But this really was for me. Like I just never, I didn't feel pressure from my kids. I didn't feel pressure from my husband or family or friends. I felt no pressure 
other than from myself. And I needed to make the change for myself. So I still struggle. I still will gain a little bit of weight and lose some and gain a you know a few pounds if I don't stay on track and try to really, you know, watch. But I do prefer basically a sugar-free lifestyle only because it helps with the dumping. You know, I don't have to struggle with that anymore. The kind of IBS that comes from that is terrible. And I try to eat as much protein as I can. I try to eat, I don't eat a lot of bread. If I do eat some bread, it's like sandwich bread. It's like a low carb or something. And that is because not necessarily that it's because it's low carb. I do choose the low carb option, but a lot of breads really fill that sleeve up and it's very uncomfortable. It's a lot of pressure in my, you know, sternum area mm -hmm. and it, it doesn't feel good. So I don't eat a lot of breads for that purpose, Okay, you know, mm -hmm. but do I consider myself keto? There's your diet word. Yes, basically. Okay. Mm -hmm. Basically everything in my life is not sugar-free. Every bite that goes in my mouth is not high protein, low carb, blah, blah. I mean, but I do try to basically stay within some parameters on a daily basis, but I struggle. I still struggle every day. And when my emotions get the better of me, you better believe I can pop Tito's out, honey, and buy a bag of Hershey's Kisses in a heartbeat. But I also, I'm much better at recognizing it for what it is and not letting it let me spiral, gotcha. you know, because I did a lot of binging. Um, I was never... I, I never had um, any sort of, I guess, you know, I didn't purge. I didn't have, I didn't struggle with anorexia or anything like that. So, but I did binge a lot. And so um, I know that that is still something I can struggle with. And so I do have to, I mean, I have to watch it all the time, you know, but the surgery for me was the right choice. I wouldn't dare say that it's the right choice for everybody. I wouldn't say it's the right choice for everyone who's over a certain weight. But for me, it was the right choice. I went into it with a clear head. I had done my research. I had really spent the time getting prepared for it. Right. Well, but, I think that's why you're successful. Even at this point, even though you have struggles, I don't have the exact statistic, but I remember going to a, a conference, uh, a nutrition related conference, and they talked about weight loss surgery. And, um, it was not, this conference was for all healthcare professionals, but it was based in nutrition and they started speaking more directly to the physicians about maybe this is not what you should push for your patients mm -hmm. because at that time, and y'all, this has been a while ago. I don't even know if all three of my kids were born yet. Um, at that time they had said something and where this statistic came from, I don't know, but like 80% of all patients who undergo weight loss surgery end up gaining the weight back and getting to a weight that was heavier than where they started. And I think that was within like the first five years, like even shorter than five years. So you have already overcome that major statistic and still have a positive viewpoint about it. I mean, you acknowledge and accept that you're a human and we all struggle, um, but you yeah. continue to like wake up and, and choose to be the best version of yourself every day. And, and, keep this journey, you know, yeah. for your overall well-being. Yeah. And that really, and I think that's a, one reason that I do feel like I have been successful in like not gaining all that weight back is because I did look at it as 
a health change, not a weight loss change, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. I didn't look at it as only, yeah, I'm going to lose a whole bunch of weight and be skinny. I was like, I don't want to take all these medicines. I don't want to have high blood pressure and heart disease and, uh, you know, diabetes and joint pain. And I don't want all that. So I did it for health reasons, my overall physical health, which in turn was my mental health as well. But that is what I wanted. Mm -hmm. So I wouldn't be tied down to a lifetime of pills and doctor's visits and all of that kind of stuff. I just didn't want that life for myself. And so I wanted to be more active because I love to do things like hike and, you know, kayak and whatever, but I didn't feel like doing any of them. That's for sure. You know, and I, anyway, it was just, it was a terrible cycle that I was in. And so I do think that that's part of one reason I've been successful overall is that I didn't see it as a way to lose weight. Right. I mean, yeah, that's great. I mean, I, you know, I knew I was going to lose some weight, but for me, it just, I just didn't want those health issues later in life. So not to say that something else won't happen, you know, some other health issue come up. I mean, I do, you know, but I just felt like overweight obesity contributes to so many other diseases that are preventable. Diabetes too is totally and not totally. Well, the cases, I, I mean, like my mother's, she could easily not be taking all the insulin that she's having to take and all that. I mean, but she's not going to change her lifestyle. Right. So I don't know. I I just saw so many issues and I wanted them to not be part of my future. Okay. Anyway, and I still have my gallbladder. Yay. Oh, there you are. It froze. So thanks for sharing that because it's very personal. Not everybody will openly discuss something like that. I'm going to pause this. I will talk. Okay. Okay. I'll just turn it back on. Perfect. Okay. If we lose again, I'll move. Sorry, y'all. It's storming here. So y'all know I talk a lot, so I'm going to do my best to give you the short version of my history with dieting. I am a dietitian, and I probably should have put this disclaimer at the beginning of the episode. I am not here to give you any health or nutritional advice, (laughs) and I advise you to seek all of those medical advice, attention, whatever, from a physician that you trust um, and make an appointment with a dietitian if you have questions, because I'm not here to do that or provide that. Everything I say today is just my sole opinion and not professionally. Okay. All right. So now that that's out there in the air, yeah. if y'all have ever heard of that saying, those who can't do teach, Okay. I'm not going to say that that's me as a dietitian, um, but it really kind of is who I've been as a dietitian, more or less, probably the past five years of my life. Um, okay. Because, so you talk about you in stressful situations, you grab some Cheetos or some Hershey Kisses. Let me tell you, I love sweet stuff. And I have not read a journal article in a while about food addiction, but um, the last stuff that I had read, it did not classify sugar, food cravings, or food addiction as a, as a diagnosis that okay. is not medically accepted as a diagnosis and cannot okay. be put in a chart or billed that way. Okay. Okay. Disclaimer, that may have changed, but the last that I understood of that, that didn't count. And I want to say that's total BS because there are studies out there that Mm -hmm. have shown people who crave sugar 
their brain lights up like a Christmas tree in imaging when they eat sugar or it is talked about or prompted or, and when it's eaten, when it is consumed, like it releases endorphins, just like crack and drugs in a drug addict's brain. So, and granted, I know that was just one study, but hello, like if Camille, I may not be speaking to you, but I know I'm speaking to somebody out there. Mm -hmm. You think about eating something sweet, you feel good. You start eating it and you feel good. Not saying you won't crash, not saying guilt won't follow, but it makes you feel good. And that's what Mm -hmm. drug addicts talk about, that high. Right. And I'm not going to say eating sugar is the same high as some major hardcore drug because I've not, sure. I've never done those things to to compare the two. But right, right, right. I like sweets, love sweets. Like this morning, I woke up thinking about banana pudding. I'd mm. love to have some banana pudding. I love banana pudding and I love donuts. Donuts are my favorite. Whistle Stop Donuts in Hopkinsville, Kentucky. The best donuts you'll ever put in your mouth. I'm waiting on my birthday to come up because I didn't tell myself I'm going to drive to Hopkinsville. I'm going to drop in babies <laughs> off at school because that's a drive for me and get donuts by myself. Like that's, I've already planned my birthday and it's eating donuts and that's, mm-hmm. it's horrible. I and mean, anybody that knows anything about nutrition or food, um, especially if you are trying to lose weight and lose weight for the right reasons, you should never reward yourself with food. Yes. Yes. Um, Hard lesson. But I live a life of on a diet, not on a diet, back and forth. Like I'm, I'm a yo-yo dieter. I diet, I don't, I diet, I don't. And Mm -hmm. I've already mentally told myself, well, if you're doing really good about your food choices, you can reward yourself on your birthday. It's a special occasion anyway. Like as Americans, Mm -hmm. we, I think food is hard for a lot of people because in America, major life milestones are centered around food. Your Mm -hmm. kids graduate from college. What do you do? Y'all go out to eat together. You know, you get a promotion at work. Maybe y'all go out to dinner and you celebrate and you eat a nice meal and you have Mm -hmm. some alcohol and have some drinks. Oh, it's a birthday party. Let's have food and cake and ice cream and all the sugary drinks for the kids and soda Mm -hmm. pop and what what have you. Somebody passes away. I don't know if y'all do this anywhere else, but in the South, after somebody dies and we have a funeral, we all go to the church and eat. And funeral food. Every old lady in that church then prepared 50 dishes and it's a huge meal. You know, mm-hmm. along the same lines, somebody passes away, meal train. Everybody mm-hmm. in the community, all those friends, people at your church, people at your school, they have enough food to feed you for months. Like food goes to waste. There's so much food. So everything I feel like is centered around food. But I like sweet stuff. Always have. And just to go back to childhood, you talked about, you know, your mom preparing a lot of processed stuff and having really poor eating habits. That's how my husband was. He talks about, you know, they didn't eat fresh from a garden. It was a lot of frozen pizzas and things like that. That was not my childhood. Okay. We grew a garden. I think I've said that on the show before. My parents had a huge garden. We had fresh vegetables almost all the time. My mom canned. They froze stuff. My dad was a hunter, still is a hunter. Mm -hmm. He processed his own meat. 
you know, so he'd clean a deer, he'd clean a turkey, and it was a big thing. My mom would bleach and sanitize the kitchen. Dad would bring in pieces of meat. They'd cut it. They'd wrap it in butcher paper, put the date, all of that stuff. It was like a, a, yeah. a big day event. So we even had fresh meat in our house. We had friends that would slaughter hogs or whatever. So I had really fresh, non-processed food. We didn't even have macaroni and cheese in our house. Like loved mac and cheese and became addicted to mac and cheese in high school because all my friends ate it. I I hadn't ate mac and cheese until I was probably in high school, maybe okay. middle school at my best friend's house, but because we didn't eat that. Yeah. Um, so my parents did offer really good, healthy whole foods all the time, every meal, always. Mm-hmm. I cannot ever think of my parents overeating. I'm not going to say that they didn't. Um, my dad is not a Southerner, but you know. He married a Southern woman and is mm-hmm. married to one now. So he probably had two or three dinner plates. I just can't remember that. Um, but he yeah. was more yeah. overweight when I was a child than he is now. I never viewed my mom as being heavy as a kid. She was a smoker when she quit smoking. She gained a lot of weight. She was not a big person to start. So yes, she was heavier, but she was not big at mm-hmm. that time. Mm-hmm. So I feel like I had really good examples and really good meals at home. Yeah, I did in elementary school, part of middle school, felt like I was the heavier of the friends, but not always. When I hit puberty, lost that baby fat, but I, my best, my two best friends growing up, one was a little heavier than me and one was significantly smaller than me. Mm-hmm. And my friend that was heavier than me, I never looked at her like she was heavy. I never passed that judgment on her, but my friend that Mm -hmm. was so much skinnier than me, I compared myself to her constantly. Mm -hmm. I want to be that thin. And where did that come from? You know, and I think we've talked about it on the show before about like how movies, especially when I was growing up, seeing the movie Mean Girls, like they explicitly say on there, they call a girl fat who's not fat. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I don't know. I was always obsessed with I wanted to be that small. And as I got older, I would go through phases where I thought a lot about what I ate. I can remember being in elementary school and having a small little notebook and I took it with me to the cafeteria and I wrote down what I ate. Mm. And not because I was consumed with my weight at that point, but I was consumed with the food groups. That's when we had the food pyramid. And I was like, oh, I'm not eating enough carbohydrates. The food pyramid doesn't exist anymore because they put too much focus on that and it has been revamped. Y'all can look at my plate and all that stuff. That's kind of the thing now, not a pyramid anymore, but I'd write it down. Am I getting all the food groups? Am I doing all the things? So maybe I was designed to be a dietitian, but that was not what I wanted to be then. And even when I went to college, it was my backup choice. It's fine. I'm a reindeer farmer now and living my best (laughs) life. So, but then I would go through these phases after puberty. I could eat whatever I wanted. I thought I was fat. I was a double zero. And it's because I had a friend who, if there could have been a triple zero, she that was her. It didn't matter my gene size. Her legs were slimmer. Her arms mm. were slimmer. Then you oh, get to high mm-hmm. school and you meet all these girls from the other middle school that you didn't grow up with, you didn't know. And there's always somebody bigger or smaller than you. So then yeah. I had this whole new pool of cool girls that were pretty mm. and slim. And you know, we're all built differently. Some women are just naturally slim. They got little bitty wrist. 
you know, little bitty waist. I think I'm raising one of them, my 10-year-old. She's just tiny. But I compared myself to them, and it was unrealistic. There was never some boy I dated or some, you know, asshole in the hallway that called me fat. Yeah. It was this internal pressure. Mm -hmm. Nobody ever called me fat, but I couldn't look in a mirror and see myself for how I really was. Yeah. But that being said, I could eat a large pizza and I wouldn't gain that weight. I was a swimmer. I did do gymnastics, but because I swam, I think I naturally always had thicker legs. I had uh, yeah. bulkier muscles than my friends who didn't swim. But then, you know, in high school, I don't eat breakfast. I, it, it upset my stomach. But then lunchtime mm -hmm. would come around. And if I ate at lunch, I ate cheese sticks and lemonade. I didn't eat the full meal. We always had a pizza option, a salad option, a sandwich option, and the hot food option. But cheese sticks were always available with the pizza line. And I would get cheese sticks. And not thinking anything about calories. Are we frozen? Okay, there we are. Not thinking anything about calories. Like, my friends could have been eating the hot meal, and it was probably less calories than these really fat, deep-fried cheese sticks and marinara sauce, and I'm drinking sugary lemonade, but in my mind, it's a smaller portion, but ultimately, yeah. I was probably making the worst choice out of anybody there, <laughs> but then times I would skip meals, like, mm. you know... When I wasn't on my period and I was having that thin feeling day, I wouldn't want to eat because I would have this hive looking thin, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. Then I get to college. I became a vegan into high school and into college. I lost even more weight. So I started college. I'm about five, two and a half. Um, I don't know if that half counts for anything, but it's there. I started college weighing 98 pounds. Wow. It was not big at all. When I was a vegan, I did lose more weight. One of my friends said that I looked really unhealthy, that I just looked, you know, my face looked sunken, but I felt good. I've already said it. I, it was just like probably the best I've ever felt. Maybe didn't look good. My skin was really clear though, and I was sleeping and I felt better. I wasn't sick. But then I went back to it because my daddy was grilling a steak one day when I was over there and I love steak and I was like, I'm over it. And that steak made me sick as a dog. So uh -huh. you would have thought that I was like, well, I'm going to pull this back. I, I didn't. I probably ate leftover steak the next day too and felt sick all over again. But then I get to college. I started smoking at one point. I had quit smoking. I did what my mama did. I gained some weight. I gained a little bit of weight. I remember going to work one day and the physical therapist making a comment about me gaining weight. And he said, mm. you've gained some weight. You look really good. So he thought that I didn't look as good skinnier. Mm -hmm. And he's like, you look healthy, you know, like you look good. And I was like, oh, okay, maybe I can rock this weight for a little bit. And then I remember I went to a size four in jeans and I just thought the world had ended. And so I signed up for boot camp at my university and it was at the crack of dawn. I did of it with course. one of my good friends. We did it three days a week. We would run. It was hard, intense, you know, because I wanted to lose more weight. But let me tell you, again, I'm in college. I know better at this point. I'm going to school to be a dietitian. I've changed my major. I would get done with this crazy exercise and I'd go to McDonald's and I'd get a chicken and biscuit and a large Sprite. 
ridiculous ridiculous and I knew better it was the the strangest thing so I would make really poor choices and then do Mm -hmm. like extreme things to counteract them well I worked out probably burned 800 calories this morning I can eat this garbage and then I went back to skipping lunch in college and Mm. we do all this stupid stuff so I'd skip lunch but then I'd binge alcohol and we you know Young yeah. and dumb. Fast yeah. forward, I finally feel comfortable in my weight. Russell and I are dating. I think I'm a size four. I accept it at this point. And then we start having babies. I gained way too much weight in my first pregnancy. As soon as she was born, I breastfed. It helped a lot. The scale, I got really close to my pre-pregnancy weight, but I didn't look the same. Oh, uh, yeah. Well, our body changes. Right. But- and so that messed me up psychologically. Mm -hmm. Yes, absolutely. My body doesn't match this number anymore. What am I going to do? Lucky for me, I didn't have long to think about it because I got pregnant again really (laughs) quick. So then I gained more weight, didn't gain as much weight the first time. This baby's born and I did different eating habits with her. I didn't want to drink diet soda. That got in my head is something bad. So I wouldn't do it. No coffee, none of that stuff. So after she was born and I'm breastfeeding her, I'm still drinking regular sodas. And I wasn't ever that way. And all of a sudden I'm drinking multiple sodas a day. She was probably six months old and I was the heaviest I'd ever been, even heavier than I was in any of my pregnancies. Mm. I look back at those photos and I cannot even recognize myself because y'all, I'm not very tall. Let me tell you, I was pushing 200 pounds. I was a circle. You know, so then I tell myself, I cannot do this. I've got these babies I've got to live for. So even though I was not happy with how I looked, I was more on that mindset like you were. I want to live for these babies. Mm -hmm. And I lost weight very successfully. It was calorie deficit and I walked and moved more. It came off very easily. I got down back almost to pre-pregnancy weight with the first one. I was doing great. I felt confident in my clothes again. I felt comfortable. And wouldn't you know, I got pregnant again. Uh, I didn't gain as much weight with him. It came off very quickly after he was born. And I kept that weight off until he was about two. And then I started gaining weight. And so basically, since he's been two, I have been on a diet and then I get off of it. And I only maintain that weight for a very short time. And then I start gaining again. It's not even what I weigh. It's my pants. Yeah. When my jeans get tight and I cannot breathe or when I sit down, it like cuts me in half. It's like, okay, this is my motivation. Now I'm going to lose weight yeah. and I will. And I've done several different diets. I've done some of the the brands that you've talked about, some programs that incorporate lots of things. And I'm going to say, you're not going to be super successful if you're trying to do too many things at once. Um, Because, you know, it's like, well, crap, I've got to count my macros and I can't eat until this time. And I've got to drink all my water. Like that's just overwhelming. Yes. That's what I was going to say. Overwhelming to keep up with all of those rules that we put in place if we're doing too much at one time it's too much right so then I'll go on a diet and I'll get I'll be happy it's not even I'll get to a point where I just feel like I look better so Mm -hmm. I'm not even thinking about how those pants fit I look better to myself I feel better I have more energy and then next thing you know I've had ice cream five days in a row and 
my mother-in-law has baked a cake for some occasion and it's sitting on my counter and I now have a fork sitting in the container. So literally I'll be doing laundry or mopping the floor and I'll come by and I'll pull back the aluminum foil and I'll get that fork and I'll take a few minutes. And the day is done and I've ate half the cake, three-fourths of the cake by myself because yeah. I bite here, bite there. <clears throat> and so then I realize I'm out of control and I try to reel it back in. Vacations yeah. motivate me, you know, to lose weight. And then I go on vacation and I do whatever the hell I want. And like, yeah. I don't know, my husband and I are bad about that. So we are on a diet again, my husband and I. Today marks two weeks. I'm just counting calories. I messed up and started drinking coffee before I weighed myself. So the first week I lost two-ish pounds. He lost seven and a half. Of course he did. So he weighed this morning and he's lost another three something. So he's lost 10 pounds in two weeks. I don't think I lost anything this week. Don't know. But yeah, all of this to say women of all ages... All gender, you know, all genders, we're all women. That's what I said, right? All women. What the hell am I saying? I meant to say all nationalities, all races, all ages. I feel like we're all dieting to some degree for this reason, that reason, good or bad, whatever it be. And I think personally, it needs to be a lifestyle change like you're talking about. So I just need to know that I'm making the best choices I can for my overall health and my longevity to be here and see my babies and my grandbaby. And I'm not there yet. I went to school to do this. I have gone up and down and I still just can't. I love sweets. You know, I'm talking about donuts and banana pudding. Like it's taken more willpower than you will ever recognize to not go to the store and buy all the ingredients to make banana pudding. Yes, I know. So y'all super long-winded. I went longer than I meant to. This is a long episode. If you're still here with us, thank you. I think you know, hear our personal convictions and our struggles. Yeah, for sure. And what this is. Well, and I think, I mean, I think this has really been a great episode because I think we, as two, as women in two different age groups and two different stages of life and, you know, two different type struggles and different experiences growing up. It just, we're just two women. Think about all of those that are listening that are watching us. They have the same or similar or something totally different. Mm -hmm. And I love that we can talk about our own struggles but find commonalities as well as right. women. And even if our upbringing's different and our experiences are different, there's still some common threads. And I think that's really what, you know, we have to look at is where we find our, our commonness among us, you know, mm-hmm. as women. So I've enjoyed this episode and yeah. I'm glad I got to share about my VSG. It doesn't bother me to talk about it. Like I'm not embarrassed or ashamed because I made the choice and, you know, for myself. So I'm open to any questions. If y'all want to come in or ask any questions or send us an email, we would love to talk further about this. Or if you want to share your experiences with us, please do so. Thanks for being with us and for sticking in there for this long episode. If you have not subscribed to our YouTube channel or follow us on Instagram, please do that. And yeah, rate and review. If you're listening on a podcatcher, we really appreciate it. And um, I think that's it for this week.
Yeah. Thank you guys. Word of mouth goes a long way. So if you're enjoying these episodes, share them with your friends. You can share the podcast, but you can actually text um, or email or share on social media, on Facebook, a specific episode that you really enjoyed. Um, So we're at Instagram at Highly Hormonal. We're on Facebook at Highly Hormonal Podcast. And you can email us at highlyhormonal at gmail.com. Like Camille said, thanks for sticking in there with us. We're open to feedback and comments and and we really appreciate you guys. And we hope that you could connect or relate with us on this episode today. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Y'all have a great one. See ya. All right. Bye.